0: Welcome to the NYPD Through the Looking Glass podcast, where you'll get unique insight into the New York City Police Department. Before we get started, please check out my Amazon author page, where you'll find my series of behind-the-scenes NYPD books, including my bestseller, NYPD Laughing in the Line of Duty, filled with funny and humorous stories from my NYPD career. Well, we're a couple of days into the new year. I hope everyone had a safe, and and, uh, I hope everyone had a safe new year. He didn't drink too much. You know, this year was a little odd because uh, Christmas and New Year's fell on a Monday, so everybody had to go back to work or burn up vacation time. But it is Thursday, so you got one more day to go, guys. So just try to get through it, and then you can recoup. I mean, the holidays just sucks the life out of me. I mean, you're running around buying Christmas presents and food, and then you're eating entirely too much, and then you're in the gym. Or if you can't get to the gym, you feel guilty. So yeah, I mean the holidays are great, but uh I'm I'm also just as happy that they're over. So this week we're gonna talk about favors for family. There's a chapter in my um one of my books, which one is it? Okay, NYPD Law and Disorder. There's a whole chapter in there entitled Favors for Family. And we all do favors for family, right? But when you're in a when you're a member, when you're a cop or a member of the New York City Police Department, it can get a little odd. Um People will ask you to do them a favor, and it can get you in a lot of trouble, and it costs them nothing to ask. And but most of the time, it's to squash a ticket. And in the New York City Police Department, we had to write 25 parking tickets and 10 moving violations a month. And people would come up to you and say, listen, you, you wrote my brother-in-law a ticket, or you wrote you know, my cousin a ticket, is there something you can do? And back in the old days before computerization, guys would go and tear up a ticket or something. And the funny thing is, the Bronx District Attorney's Office had this um massive investigation about NYPD members squashing tickets, and there's no money involved. It was just people doing favors for each other, and a bunch of guys lost some vacation time. I don't know if anyone got fired over it, but I knew it was a big scandal. But the funny thing is Everybody calls in a favor, and I don't care who it is. I've heard so many stories of politicians, can you do this one a favor, can you do that one a favor, and then for it to fall on the cops at the end is ridiculous because I've had district attorneys when I was active that got tickets that asked me, oh, do you know this guy in such and such a precinct? He gave me a moving violation. You I wasn't going to get involved in that with them, but people do ask you from time to time to squash a ticket. And it goes on. And the funny thing is my father thought that me being this lowly detective and cop with the New York City Police Department, I could move heaven on earth for him. And he would get parking tickets sometimes or sometimes sanitation department. They would uh, they have sanitation police, believe it or not, in New York City and he would get a ticket for not for putting the recyclables with the regular garbage, and he would call me up or I would stop over, and he'd go, Jesus Christ, what the hell is this? And he would show me this thing, and I was like, what do you want me to do? And he goes, well, can't you take care of this for me? I said, Dad, I, it, it's the Department of Sanitation. I don't know anybody in the Department of Sanitation. Oh, what good are you? <laughs> and he used to get all bent out of shape. But the funny thing is, when they started putting those pole cameras up, those red light cameras in the five boroughs, people were getting tickets all the time by those things and uh in different boroughs like uh, Staten Island and Queens I know that the residents got pissed off that they started getting these red light summonses in the mail and I think in Staten Island someone put an explosive device either dynamite or a couple of M80s to damage the thing people shot at them um people spray painted them because they got bent out of shape that they were getting these tickets and I remember at the time I lived in my aunt's building, which was down the block from my parents, and my father and I have the same name. <laughs> and you know, I would get his mail; he would get my mail. So one day, I, I come by the house, and he can't wait. He does like a Jack Ruby, comes running up to me, and he flicks this piece of paper at me, and he goes, "Hey, jerk off!" He goes, "You got a red light ticket?" I says, "What are you talking about?" He goes, "Rosedale Avenue and the Cross Bronx Expressway, ring a bell?" I said, no, I haven't been over there in a while. He goes, you got a red light ticket, and I'm looking at this thing, and he goes, just because you're Johnny Law doesn't mean you can go around burning through red lights, and I was like, yeah, 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 and I'm looking at it, and then when I unfold it, it's a picture of his Dodge shadow with him going through a red light. I go, this ticket isn't going to cost me anything. It's going to cost you $50 or whatever it was back then, and I handed it back to him. Then he gets all bent out of shape, and he's like, well, can you fix this for me? I'm like, Dad, it's the Department of Traffic, not the New York City Police Department. No, I can't. But anyway, so going into favors for family, it was probably around 1991, 92, and um, my sergeant had um, his cousin worked in Department of Personnel. I don't know what his cousin did, but he was somewhere in Department of Personnel. And Department of Personnel is a very powerful thing in the NYPD because that decides where you go, where you get transferred out of the police academy and they move people around. And um, I had a buddy of mine that was graduating out of the police academy and he had asked me, he goes, you know, I'd like to come to your precinct, you could show me the ropes. And I said, well, let me see what I can do. So I go to my friend, the sergeant, and he says, yeah, yeah, no problem. Give me his name and his tax number and his date of birth and everything. My friend graduates from the police academy, and he winds up in the same precinct with me. So I must have made the, I made the mistake of saying this in front of my dad. So a year or two later, my brother's coming on the job. Now my brother and I are two years apart in the police department and in life. And he got hired uh, by the Department of Corrections, and then he did what's called a rollover and took all the tests, and then became a member of the New York City Police Department. So my brother's getting out of the academy in a couple of weeks. And my father says, um, listen, he goes, your brother wants wants to work in, where did he want to work, the 4-9 or the 4-3, which were very close to where we lived. And the 4-9, at the time, I'm sure it's gotten a lot busy. It wasn't known for, like, being a busy house. The 4-3 had some stuff going on in it, but the 4-9 was like a cake precinct, and that's really where my younger brother wanted to go. And I said, Dad, you know, Fredo, I'm not doing him any favors if I can pull some strings and get him into like a cake precinct and he goes oh come on you did it for your friend and blah 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 I was like all right dad let me see what I can do so I call up my friend and he says I I don't know if I can do anything for you my cousin's since retired I says okay we'll see what you can do and then he gets back to me goes no he he there's a new chief he's retired there's a new chief that's it it's a dead end I said all right So my father's on my ass. Can you get Fredo into the precinct? Can you get Fredo into the precinct? And I said, Dad, I don't know what I can tell you. And I made some calls, but nothing in concrete. And again, I only had like three, four years on the job. It was just, it just so happened. I knew a guy that knew a guy. (laughs) So my brother comes out of the police academy and he gets assigned to Washington Heights in Manhattan in a busy precinct. And he is pissed. And first I hear it from my dad. And he's like, Jesus, you couldn't help your brother out. I'm like, Dad, you know, I'm not the police commissioner. And then I had to catch shit from my brother. But like I said, it bleeds into everybody thinks that if you're a member of the New York City Police Department, you have these magical powers and can squash tickets and do things for people. And the reality is sometimes if if you extend yourself or stick your neck out too far, you can get yourself in trouble. Another time, I remember, I don't know, I had like... 12 or 13 years on the job and I'm going down to Times Square to work New Year's Eve detail and uh, I had younger cousins they were probably about six or seven years younger than me and they lived in New Jersey and uh, my dad comes to me and he says "Uh, your cousins are going down to Times Square at New Year's Eve where are you going to be assigned and I says dad I don't find that out until the last I find it out that night. And this is before cell phones, so if if I to play this telephone game, I would have to find a pay phone and call home and then coordinate where they would meet me. I go, just tell them don't go down there. Like I told you guys last week, just stay away from Times Square. No, 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 they're going to be down there. I'm like, Dad, I I don't know what you want me to tell you. So he says, all right, give me your badge number. I says, for what? He says, well, in case they get in trouble. I says, listen, first off, I don't want them going down there. And they were good kids. I didn't think they were going to get in trouble. I go, but if they do get in trouble... You know, that's going to reflect on me, that my drunken cousins, which they weren't, but if they did, you know, I said, Dad, that's going to backfire and reflect on me. So I could never um, get my father to wrap his head around that I didn't have these magical powers that could move heaven on earth as a member of the New York City Police Department. Now, one story where someone got into a lot of trouble for extending themselves for a friend was there was a guy in my precinct, and at one time he was a sergeant. And he worked for the applicant investigation unit. And in the applicant investigation unit, what those guys do is they do the background checks for people that want to become police officers. So they go in through mounds of paperwork. They sit down with the recruits. They they basically investigate what you tell them. They go to where you used to work. They call up references. They do a, a thorough Well, they should do a thorough background check on you. So this one guy was working an applicant investigation and he's got a friend who wants to come on the job, but he's got a problem. He's been convicted of a crime and he's not going to get on the job. So what his friend does is this guy in applicant investigation, he shows up with all his paperwork and everything and they're pretending they don't know each other. And what the friend does is he fingerprints himself. (laughs) And he submits the the cops, fingerprints himself and submits his fingerprints as if they're his friends because he's got a clean background. But I, I don't know how he missed this, but every member of the New York City Police Department, everybody in law enforcement, you get fingerprinted to go into law enforcement and you have what's called a B number or an FBI number that attaches to your fingerprints. So, and this has happened, (laughs) so this has happened where guys get locked up in different jurisdictions. Say you go down to Florida for spring break, you're an NYPD cop and you get arrested for a DUI down in Miami Beach and you don't tell the job about it. Well, what happens is that flags with the FBI and then the FBI turns around through NCIC, National Crime Information Center, which holds all the fingerprint records. They'll call up the New York City Police Department and go, hey, one of you guys just got grabbed for a DUI in South Florida last week. It takes a little bit of time. Probably now it's instant. But back then it took a while. So anyway, this guy in applicant investigation fingerprints himself, submits the prints, and figures he's going to help his friend out. What winds up happening is his prints flag, and he gets caught, and he almost lost his job. He got demoted, and... Lost 30 vacation days and he was put on a year of probation. But I mean, how you can be a member of the New York City Police Department and not know that you've been fingerprinted and your prints are on file with the FBI is beyond me. But yeah, that's a true story. So the story I want to tell today, <laughs> this, so the story I want to tell today of favors for family goes back, this is goes back 20 years ago. And I was dating this girl and her family lived out in New Jersey. And she had a brother, younger brother, who Was always getting in trouble. He was just one of these guys. He couldn't get out of his own way. He was still living at home in his 20s. Liked to smoke a little bit too much. Went from one job to the other. I mean, I really didn't have a problem with him. Because he didn't really impact my life. And I was staying out at her family's house one weekend. And I'll never forget. It was a holiday weekend. It was either the 4th of July or Memorial Day. But it was a 3 or 4 day weekend. So, Saturday morning... Uh, my girlfriend comes to my room and she says, "Um, I got to talk to you. And I says, what's up? And she says, "Um, I wasn't going to make up names. Kevin got pulled over by the police last night and they took his car. I says, what are you talking about? She goes, he got stopped. Um, I don't know what happened. He's not saying, but they gave him a bunch of tickets and they impounded his car. I said, so? She says, well, the car is registered to my parents. My girlfriend's mother was one of these people that just didn't, take bad news well and if she would have found out that the family car was towed over the weekend there would have been an emotional bloodletting and I wouldn't have had fun that weekend I just wanted to go out on the beach and hang out and have a couple of cocktails and I really didn't want to get sucked into this how to get this guy's car out of hock so anyway I says well where is the car now And she says well it's at a tow yard I says all right so I bang on the brother's door he comes out And I says, what happened last night? He says, well, I got pulled over for a headlight, and the cops took my car. I said, that's it. And he said, yeah. Now, I knew there was more to that story. He had to have mouthed off. Maybe it was something in the car that shouldn't have been, or something happened. Cops just don't go around pounding people's cars for a headlight. There was definitely more to the story, but I couldn't get it out of him. So I says, where is the car now? And he says, it's at a tow yard. I said, all right, let's go. So me and my girlfriend and her brother jump in the car, and we drive a 15, 20-minute ride over this tow yard. And for those of you that have ever had your car towed, and you know how, how it sucks, most tow yards are in the middle of nowhere, right? They're usually in an industrial area, or there's a phone number, and the car is at one place, and the office is another. And there's a reason for this, because... Tow yards, and I'm not talking about if you get into an accident and, you know, the body shop tows your car. A lot of these tow yards do towing for repossession and finance companies, or they tow cars for the police, or then you have the scumbags that they have an agreement with a business a bank, a club, and God forbid you park in there and you didn't see the sign. And the next thing you know, you come out and your car is missing. You call the police and the cops are looking at it and you go, didn't you see that sign? And oh yeah, now, my, now I got to go get my car from Big Al's towing. And basically what they do is they hold your car hostage. So they know people are pissed. They got their car repossessed or they got their car towed out of a bank parking lot. And they know they're going to be coming with pitchforks and torches so what they try to do is put these places in the middle of nowhere so we find the place and we go there and it's closed and the place is fortified with the big fence and dogs running around on the property and there's a sign closed for the holiday weekend so I says oh well and my girlfriend goes listen she goes can you do something please 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 she goes I really my mother's going to ruin all weekend So I turn to the brother and I say, listen, before I go to this police station, is there anything in that car that shouldn't have been there? And he goes, well, what do you mean? And I said, weed or or whatever you're into these days. And he goes, no. I said, are you sure? He goes, I'm positive. There's nothing in the car. I said, all right. So we drive over to the small police department. And when you're an off-duty cop, you're always at a disadvantage, right? And especially if you're an off-duty cop, and you're dealing with another law enforcement agency, and especially the New York City Police Department, because the NYPD, you got a lot of guys and girls, they don't do themselves any favors. They get pulled over, they're totally in the wrong, they get mouthy, they'll flash their shield and go, hey, I'm on the job, don't you got something better to do? Or they're drunk in a club and the cop tells them to leave and they get belligerent and then the cop has to wind up locking them up. Now, that's not to say that some of these smaller police departments don't like the NYPD and they got a hard-on for them and they'll lock up a cop for something that's questionable or give him a ticket as a way of sending a message to the NYPD, like, stay out of my town. So it goes both ways, but for the most part, I mean, listen, I I was with the NYPD 20 years. I've seen it up close and personal, a lot of cops just, they they get a couple of cocktails, and, you know, they think who the hell they are, and then they start trying to throw their weight around with a smaller police department or agency, and it it often ends poorly for them, so we get to this small police department, and um, I tell my ex-girlfriend and her brother, go, just wait in the car, I don't don't need you guys going in there, Let, let me do this, right, so I walk into the station house in this little police department, and immediately I met with this 20-something-year-old, squared-away cop, buzz cut, haircut. He says, how can I help you? And I says, um, I showed him my police idea. I says, listen, I says, I'm says, i on the job in New York. I said, um, my jerk-off, my girlfriend's jerk-off brother must have mouthed off to one of you guys last night. He got a couple of tickets, and I had the tickets in my hand. And I said, uh, and he got his car towed. So the cop starts laughing. So he goes, can I see the tickets? I said, sure. So he takes the tickets out of my hand. He's like, oh, I, I know Sullivan. He goes, yeah, I know him. He goes, he's actually a good guy. I says, well, my girlfriend's brother isn't. And he laughed again. So I says, is there somebody? I says, listen, I says, the car has been towed. I says, I get that. I says, but it's in this impound lot, and I'm not going to be able to get it out until Tuesday. I says, and my life's going to be miserable. I says, there's someone there that could give me a hand. He goes, give me a second. So this young cop goes in the back. He's back there for about, I don't know, 10 minutes. He comes back, and he says, um, yeah, the sergeant will see you. I said, "Okay, thank you." He hands me the tickets back, and uh, I walk into this office. And the sergeant sitting behind a desk—he's middle-aged black guy—and he gets up, and he was like a redwood, like just he just kept getting up out of the chair. And he goes, "Hey, hey, NYPD, how you doing?" He shakes my hand. I'm saying to myself, "Okay, so far, so good." He goes, "Have a seat. Have a seat. Sit down." And he goes, well, "What? What can I help you with?" And I said, "Look, boss," I said, um, "Last night, my my girlfriend's brother got pulled over." I says, "I know he's in the wrong." I says, there's no, I wasn't there, but I know he's in the wrong. I says, I just I just need to get this car out. I says, we'll pay for it. I says, but can you make a phone call or do anything? And he goes, well, he goes, it's a holiday weekend. He says, I do know the tow guy. He goes, but you, you know how it is on the weekend. I really don't want to bother the guy. He says, you know, like we're going back and forth, but he's being nice. And I'm look, just looking, as we're making small talk, I'm looking around the office And behind his desk, there's a framed FBI wanted poster. Now, any police station or precinct, there's wanted posters all over the place. But this one was framed, which kind of caught my attention. And from the days of me stealing FBI wanted posters out of the post office at 10 years old to go on manhunts, When I was with the NYPD, I always, when I had free time and nothing was going on, I'd grab a stack of wanted posters and I would read them and I'd look at the photos. And I was always interested in wanted persons and fugitives. And actually, on several occasions, and I'll cover that in another podcast, my memory off of looking at people's wanted posters led to a couple apprehensions. So you never know. It's a shot in the dark, but you never know. But anyway, I'm looking at this wanted post, this is FBI's most wanted poster that's sitting in a frame above this sergeant's shoulder, and I knew immediately who it was. And the fugitive's name was a guy by the name of Arthur Lee Washington Jr. Now, Arthur Lee Washington Jr. was a member of the Black Panthers. He had spent the vast majority of his life in and out of New Jersey state prisons. He was a, he was a he he used to do a lot of armed robberies, and what he was most want, what he was most known for was in 1989, a couple of cops pulled him over. He jumped out of the car and started shooting at him. It led to this running gun battle, and Arthur Lee Washington has vanished into thin air. He's never been seen since. So, as a matter of fact, he was on the FBI wanted FBI's most wanted for so long that they they think he's dead because they made reference that he might have AIDS, and. It's rare that they'll take you off the FBI's most wanted list um, if you haven't been apprehended, but eventually they took him off. But anyway, I'm looking at this poster and I said, um, "Sarge, can I ask you a question?" He goes, "Sure." I go, "That wanted poster off over your shoulder," and he turns. He goes, "Oh, author?" I go. Yeah, I says, what's the story with that? I'm sure there's a story with that. I says, I know he was with the Black Panthers. So I kind of went into a little bit of what I knew about that guy. He goes, Oh, really? He goes, You know your history? I said, Yeah, yeah. I says, That's just something I've always been interested in. He says, We grew up together. And I said, Oh, wow, really? He goes, Yeah, we played CYO basketball together. I think he said that um, at one time, him and this guy Arthur dated like two sisters they went out on a couple of dates and i says well what happened he goes well he goes after high school he says i went i gravitated and and went into a law uh, went into a career in law enforcement he goes and arthur lee he goes went the wrong way he goes fell in with the wrong crowd he goes drugs he says got you know radicalized he goes and then he joined again it's the black panthers or the black black liberation army but neither of which are friendly to law enforcement so he goes yeah he goes you know and so we're just talking about this and um the sergeant goes you know what you're all right he goes give me a second so he he opens his desk and he pulls out a rolodex (laughs) i'm dating myself here and he's going through it and he's like big al's towing or whatever it was called right he finds the phone number and he just he goes just be quiet i said all right boss and um Dials the number and he gets it. He goes, "Big Al, how's it going, Sergeant So and So?" And they're going back and forth. And he goes, "Listen," he goes, "I know it's a holiday weekend, and I hate to ask." He says, "But my cousin got his car because <laughs> my cousin got his car towed last night." He says, um, "Could you send somebody there to open up the lot?" He goes, "I know it's a holiday weekend and everything." And you know, towing companies don't want to piss off the police because they depend upon them. So the guy probably told him, yeah, 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 no problem. He goes, all right. He goes, I'm going to send my cousin down there. He goes, how much is it? So whatever it was, 40 bucks, 50 bucks, And uh, he says, all right. He goes, I'll send you down there. So he hangs up the phone. He goes, he goes, be there in about a half hour. He goes, the guy will meet you. He goes, just pay and get the car out. I said, so I cannot thank you enough. So he takes his tickets from me and he says, he goes, what do you want me to do with these? And I said, um, what do you mean? He goes, He goes. I can take care of these for you. I, I took him back. I said, no. I says, he's got to learn his lesson. I said, Get getting the car out of Hawk is not enough. I says, he's, he's got to learn his lesson with these tickets. So I, I thanked the sergeant. We left and um, we go to the tow yard and then the owner's there, right? And I'm guessing he was expecting a black guy because the sergeant said it was my cousin. So I'm sitting there and he pulls up and he goes, can I help you? And I said, yeah, Sergeant so-and-so from such-and-such a police department told me to come down here. And he goes, you're his cousin? I said, yeah, yeah, on on his father's side. And he's just looking at me. He goes, all right, whatever. The guy comes in and he goes, "Um, do you want me? He goes, no, I'm not going to charge you. I said, no, no, no. I I says, Kevin, give me the money. And I made him pay to get the car out. And, you know, we wound up, you know, I saved my weekend. But the funny thing about that whole thing is my girlfriend's brother never learned his lesson. He got his car towed again, and that the next time I was not getting involved in it because, you know, what am I going to do? I, I'm not like house counsel that I'm going to keep getting this kid out of trouble. But when you're dealing with diff- – if, if, you know, I know a lot of cops listen to this podcast, and, you know, older guys would know this, but the younger guys, or even people in general, you get pulled over by the police. You want to spend the, uh, the littlest amount of time with them as possible. Just be nice. I mean, if you get pulled over by the cops, pull over immediately – Roll down all your windows, right? Roll down all the windows so he can see you. Shut the car off and stick your hands out the window. And just wait. He's going to come over. Don't start your pitch just yet. He's going to ask you for your license to registration. Is it all right if I get it? Tell him where it is. It's in my glove compartment. It's here. It's in my wallet. Let him know your next move. Then once you get everything, he might say, do you know why I stopped you? Now, this is where you go into your sales pitch. Cops have senses of humor. If, you know, either apologize, say, listen, you know, I'm running late. I know what I did. Or just say you didn't know, but, you know, be nice about it. Try to get that in before he walks back to the car with the paperwork, but have the paperwork ready and in his hand, and then you go into your sales pitch. Because once he walks away with that paperwork, it's in his hands, and you don't know the guy, and he might give you the ticket. Well, I hope you guys enjoy this week's episode um, Next week I'm, I'm going to try to get a guest on next week But you know it's difficult for me I'm just starting this thing out So it's difficult for me getting guests But I will try to work on getting a guest Because I'm sure you guys are tired of listening <laughs> to my stories. So as always I want to thank everyone tuning in Especially my listeners in Montreal, Quebec Kalamazoo, Michigan Hull Prairie, Ohio Conyers, Georgia And I think that's where Holly Hunter's from If you're from Conyers let me know if that's right or not and Lakeland, Florida. Now, the funny thing about Lakeland, Florida is in my newest book, I'll hawk it again, NYPD, Laughing in the Line of Duty. There's a story in there where I I was, um, I had a job for a short time down here working for a local radio station. And I went to Lakeland to interview Sh- Sheriff Grady Judd. And it was, <laughs> he is like, he's one of these guys, he shoots from the hip, he Tells it how it tells you how it is, and I, I just it was a really good interview with this guy. And if you're interested in Grady Judd, there's a chapter in there about me meeting him. If you enjoyed the content, please check out my Amazon author name. Type in my name, Vic Ferrari, like the car, where you can preview all my NYPD books for free. And if you have an interesting background, law enforcement or and or criminal, please hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at Vic Ferrari five zero, and we'll talk. Also, if you have a product or a service and you want to advertise on this podcast because I need to make money doing this, please hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, at VicFerrari50. Thank you again, everybody, for tuning in. I appreciate your support. And God willing, I'll see you guys next week.